And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting <coughs> El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. <coughs> well, this is the March 8th, 67th day of the year. 298 days remain till the year's over with. And it is an interesting date. Um... It is International Women's Day, which began March 8, 1857 in New York City, when female textile workers marched in protest of unfair working conditions and unequal rights for women. The uh, interesting thing is all the uh, progress, at least according to my liberal wife, that uh, women have made are being done away with in the name of woke. The uh, They're allowing uh, physical men who have become transgender to compete against women in sports and whatever you may call yourself the muscle difference doesn't go away. Uh, it's also World Math Day. Be nasty day. You got something you want to do, do it. National Registered Dietitian Nutritionist Day. National Peanut Cluster Day. National Proofreading Day. School Breakfast Week. Return Barred Books Week. Read an ebook week. I'll read. My uh, iPad has hundreds of ebooks, and I write ebooks. If you go to um, Amazon and look up Ken Hudnall, you will see uh, quite a number of my books available for purchase and download. National Groundwater Awareness Week, and I got more going up. National Consumer Protection Week, Endometriosis Awareness Week, National Professional Pet Sitters Week. Now that is a that is a career that folks stand in line to do. Butcher's Week, Fair Trade Fortnight, No More Week, British Pie Week, Women in Construction Week, National Procrastination Week, but you don't have to do that immediately. You can do it next week. National Nutrition Month, National Women's History Month, National Hemophilia Awareness Month, National Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, National Social Work Month, National Small Press Month, National Kidney Month, National Peanut Month in honor of the peanut man himself. National Craft Month, International Ideas Month, National Caffeine Awareness Day, Endometriosis Awareness Day, Rising Star Month, National Credit Education Month, National Cheerleading Safety Month, National Umbrella Month, and National Music in Our Schools Month. But of all those, I think probably the most important is International Women's Day. And if the thing I find so fascinating some of the same people who are screaming to let males compete against female in female sports are women it, it just boggles the mind well also on this date in 1010 for Dowsey completes his epic poem Shanamea Number 26, following the death of his mother, Queen Uraka of Leon, Alfonso VII is proclaimed King of Leon. 1262, the Battle of Hussbergen between bourgeois militias and the army of the Bishop of Strasbourg takes place. You know, back in those days, religious leaders had armies. The Pope had a country. Fifteen fifty eight. The city of Pori is founded by Duke John on the shores of the Gulf of Bath Bathnia. Sixteen fifty eight. The Treaty of Roskilde, after a devastating defeat in the Northern Wars, Frederick the Third, the King of Denmark and Norway, is forced to give up nearly half his territory to Sweden. 1702, Queen Anne, the younger sister of Mary II, becomes Queen, uh, 
regiment of England, Scotland, and Ireland. 1722, the Safavid Empire of Iran is defeated by an army from Afghanistan at the Battle of uh, Gonabad. 1775, an anonymous writer, thought by some to be Thomas Paine, publishes African slavery in America. First article in the colonies, in the American colonies, calling for the emancipation of slaves and the abolition of slavery. And the sad thing is, the very concept has become a, a political uh, chip to be played by various politicians. San Francisco wants to give uh, every black, and I read all the material, $5 million as reparations for slavery, even though California never had slaves. Um I also think it's interesting that on the reparations committee, there wasn't a single non-black. Are we talking about reverse discrimination? I think we are. Um, 1801, War of the Second Coalition at the Battle of Abu Kir, British force under Sir Ralph Abercrombie lands in Egypt with the aim of ending the French campaign in Egypt and Syria. 1844, King Oscar I ascends to the thrones of Sweden and Norway. 1868, the Sakai Incident. Japanese samurai kill 11 French sailors in the port of Sakai in Osaka. 1910, French aviator Raymond de la Roche becomes the first woman to uh, receive a pilot's license. 1916, World War I, British force unsuccessfully attempts to relieve the siege of Kut, present-day Iraq, in the Battle of Dujailah. 1917, International Women's Day protest in Petrograd marked the beginning of the February Revolution, which was the beginning of the end for the uh, royal family. 1917, U.S. Senate votes to limit filibusters by adopting the Clotier Rule. 1921, Spanish Prime Minister Eduardo Dato Irader is assassinated while on his way home from the Parliament building in Madrid. 1924, a mine disaster kills 172 coal miners near Castlegate in Utah. 1936, Daytona Beach and Road Course holds its first oval stock car race. 1937, Spanish Civil War. The Battle of Guadalajara begins. Uh, 1942, in World War II, the Dutch East Indies surrenders Java to the Imperial Japanese Army. Also on this same date in 42, the Imperial Japanese Army forces uh, capture Rangoon, Burma from the British. Uh, 1950, the iconic Volkswagen Type II bus begins production. I drove one of those on a trip. It was interesting. Like riding on top of a sewing machine. 1963, the Ba'ath Party comes to power in Syria in a coup d'etat. 1965, Vietnam War. U.S. Marines are alive in Da Nang. 1966, Nelson's Pillar in Dublin, Ireland is destroyed by a bomb. 1979, Phillips demonstrates the compact disc publicly for the first time. I had one of those. It was enjoyable, shall I say. Also, on this same date, 1979, images taken by Voyager 1 proved the existence of volcanoes on a moon, uh, on a low, or EO, depending on your pronunciation, of a moon of, a moon of Jupiter. 1983, the Cold War, while addressing a convention of evangelicals, President Reagan labels the Soviet Union an evil empire. 1985, a supposed failed assassination temple of Islamic cleric Syed Mohammed Hussein Fadilala in Beirut, Lebanon, uh, uh, killed 80 and injured 200 others. 90, uh, 1988, Aeroflot Flight 3379 is hijacked by the Ovechkin family and diverted to Vashivo in the Soviet Union. 2004, 
New constitution signed by Iraq's governing council. 2014, in one of aviation's greatest mysteries, Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 with 239 people vanishes en route from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. We still haven't found even the remotest piece of wreckage from that flight. 2017, the Azure Wunda National Arch in the Maltese Islands of Gozo collapses in stormy weather. 2018, the first Arat March, that's a social political demonstration, was held, by international, uh, held during International Women's Day in Karachi, Pakistan. And since then, annually held across Pakistan in feminist slogan, uh, Mira Jism Mary Marzi, my body, my choice, in demand for women's rights to bodily autonomy and against gender-based violence came into vogue in Pakistan. See, that's the problem. It became a fad. Everybody jumped on the bandwagon, but nobody really supported it. Otherwise, we wouldn't still have all this going on. 2021, International Women's Day marches in Mexico become violent with 62 police officers and 19 civilians injured in Mexico City alone. And in 2021, 28 political institutions in Myanmar established a National Unity Consultative Council, a historic alliance of ethnic armed organizations and democratically elected leaders in response to the 2021 Myanmar coup d'etat. The, um, you know, there's a lot of, of um, completely unnecessary violence as people try to get their messages across. And basically, you've got 2 or 3% of the people trying to coerce the other 97 or 98% into doing things their way. And the problem is, they do so much screaming and carrying on, nobody can hear what um, middle-of-the-road people may have to say. And then, of course, there's always violence. Antifa is a primary example. They've gone on rampages because a speaker at a college said something they didn't like. But that's what freedom of speech is all about. But unfortunately, uh, our cowardly elected leaders are afraid somebody will call them racist or something else, and that's why we wind up with something as silly as woke. I mean, there was a major de uh, debacle at Disneyland over the song zippity doo -Dah. I mean, let's talk about something important like putting food in the mouth of homeless people. But instead, we're spending our time and money and effort protesting zippity doo -Dah. It makes me wonder, is there any hope? Well, we were talking about uh, Secretary of Defense Forrestal and his reaction to uh, the information that came out of uh, Admiral Byrd's uh, Task Force 68, Operation High Jump, and the German uh, task force that went there to Antarctica in 1939. September 23rd of um, nineteen forty seven. Forrest arrived at his offices in the Pentagon and a report entitled Air Material Command Opinion Concerning Flying Disc by General Twining was handed to him. It was a 17-page document prepared by a panel of 16 military and civilian appointees in the wake of the Roswell recoveries. And it recommended an operation called Majestic 12 as a fully funded operational top-secret research and development intelligence gathering agency that was to address the UFO situation. And this recommendation had been approved at a meeting in the Oval Office with Truman instructing Forrestal to begin funding and organizing the, the MJ-12 initiative. This covert committee of scientists and military leaders and government officials has been formed by presidential order to facilitate recovery and investigation of 
alien spacecraft to determine how the U.S. should engage extraterrestrial life in the future. But once again, everything was highly classified. There was a fear that society would just collapse if we knew that there were aliens. And uh, General Twining was one of the, what I call, worst offenders. He's the one that uh, faked the photographs in his office with the weather balloon. And he also set the tone for the investigation. He said, this flying saucer situation is not at all imaginary or seeing too much in some natural phenomena. Something is really flying around up there. And a phenomena is something real and not visionary or fictitious. Now, Roswell disabused uh, our government of their assumption that all UFOs were enemy secret weapons. Maybe German, maybe Japanese, finally Russian or Russo-German. And were instead operated by intelligent creatures from outer space. At least, at this point in time, they had finally got it through their head that we weren't facing fellow humans. Now, at the very beginning of Majestic 12, Forrestal opposed the continued suppression of information concerning extraterrestrial violation of U.S. airspace, and he wanted there to be gradual disclosure. And for this, he was rigorously criticized by his colleagues who argued that common knowledge of technologically and militarily superior non-humans from another world would utterly unhinge society, diminish faith in religion, undermine trust in the armed forces, and lead to a collapse in the international economy. Now, quite frankly, in my humble opinion, that position was completely stupid. That came from small-minded people who themselves couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that uh, we weren't the end-all, be-all of, of um, evolution. And as for... Uh, Diminishing faith in religion, I would have thought it would have given more faith in religion. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we are the only species created. In fact, it talks about entities from uh, the sky. Unfortunately, this, uh, let's pretend it didn't happen, uh, position became the majority opinion. It was so adamant that uh, Forrestal not only quit Majestic 12, but resigned as Secretary of Defense March 28, 1949. He was now free to approach the dilemma without restrictions imposed only by government censors. And among his few supporters was Admiral Byrd, who shared his determination to acquaint the public with the flying saucer situation, as uh, General Twining had uh, characterized it. Together, uh, Forrestal and Byrd endeavored to find proper channels for disseminating the MJ-12 suppressed information by extending tentative feelers to prominent editors and columnists and reporters. They were going to commit the great sin of going to the media. And these moves were no sooner made than they were monitored by President Truman's agents who were increasingly alarmed as a perceived breach in national security. There are many, many people who believe Farstall was murdered on the orders of the government. Now, it was May 22, 1949, when Farstall fell to his death on the 16th floor of the National Naval uh, medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland, and he'd been supposedly recovering from severe depression. The official Navy Review Board described him as a suicide victim. Now, this version almost immediately came under suspicion, which grew throughout the subsequent decades until in the late 1980s when photocopies of original government briefing papers described Operation Majestic 12 were published. Related photocopies appeared in some years. Paragraph 11 was most interesting. It said the untimely death of Secretary Forrestal was deemed necessary and regrettable. 
a tacit confession to having the man murdered. The MJ-12 documents are still dismissed as fakes by many ufologists, but internal evidence establishes their authenticity, if only because the language is couched in late 1940s U.S. military vernacular, which would have required the unlikely skills of a hoaxer fluent in the um, period speech, so to speak. For example, White House memoranda quoted in chapters 3 and 4 could only have been written by FDR himself or somebody skilled in consistently and flawlessly mimicking his personal phraseology, as anyone uh, familiar with his personal writing style uh, could easily recognize. Although investigators are still divided over MJ-12's trustworthiness, its authenticity was completely established following years of painstaking research undertaken by Stanton Friedman, formerly a nuclear physicist for such companies as General Electric, General Motors, Westinghouse, and McDonnell Douglas. His uh, work, Top Secret Magic, Operation Majestic 12, and the U.S. government uh, UFO cover-up, effectively established the controversial documents as government uh, produced. Now, unfortunately, almost as a countermeasure to somebody as uh, prominent as Stanton Friedman, we had the dilettantes who took over Roswell. Their way and their books are the only way and the only books that should be out there. And, of course, uh, they even got the... uh, the director of the museum uh, removed because he wasn't giving them the proper respect. I would have given the proper respect. A bucket of tar, some feathers, and a rail to ride him out of town. But that's just me. Now, while the military spokesman announced in the press that wreckage from the weather balloon had been mistaken for a crash flying saucer at the Roswell, They were all secretly gearing up to uh, confront an expected extraterrestrial counterattack for their killing of half a dozen aliens. July 6, 1947, Army, Navy, and National Guard aircraft began patrolling the Pacific Northwest despite low fuel reserves, which gave some indication of the urgency attached to their alert status at the time. California-based North American P-51 fighters were on station at 35,000 feet over Manhattan Beach and Van Nuys while additional Mustangs from the Oregon National Guard and twin-engine Douglas A-26 intruder light bombers carrying long-range cameras equipped with uh, telescopic lenses cruised above Oregon's Cascade Mountains in the city of Portland. General Irving Schaefer, in charge of Colorado's National Guard, stated he had his fighter planes on standby ready to make an intercept at a moment's notice. At that point in time, we were seriously concerned about an alien invasion. Uh, the next day, Vernon Baird, pounding a P-38 Lockheed Lightning for the Fairchild uh, Photogrammetric Company, was mapping territory between uh, Helena, Montana, and Wyoming's Yellowstone National Park for the U.S. Bureau of uh, Reclamation when a pearl-gray disc topped with an opaque canopy or dome uh, chased him at 32,400 feet and chased him aggressively. As the 15-foot-wide, 4-foot-thick vehicle began rapidly gaining on uh, Baird's uh, photo-reconnaissance plane, traveling at 360 miles an hour, he executed a a tight, evasive uh, right turn that his mysterious pursuer appeared to have difficulty following. Violently buffeted by prop wash from the combined uh, 3,200 horsepower of the Lightning's twin Allison uh, piston-driven engines, Closing UFO suddenly split into two clamshell-like pieces that fluttered down into the remote tobacco root mountains of Montana. July 7th, a yellowish-white spherical object traveling at uh, 200 to 225 miles an hour at 10,000 feet passed over Major J.C. Wise as he was completing final flight checks for his uh, XP-84. That was a secret version of uh, Republic's uh, Thunderjet prior to takeoff from California's uh, Maroc Air Base. The next day, that would be July 8th, at 11.50 in the morning, a white aluminum-colored oval spouting two oscillating projections from its upper surface suddenly uh, 
dropped out of the clear sky from almost 20,000 feet to hover briefly over an Air Force testing strip at uh, Rogers Dry Lake before slowly disappearing at treetop level toward uh, Mount Wilson. That same afternoon, at 3.50, a Mustang pilot spotted a wingless, tailless, silvery object 40 miles south of Murak at 20,000 feet. He gave chase, but the target instantly accelerated far beyond his uh, firing range. And at that same moment, no less than 100 Navy servicemen saw the same craft fly over Pearl Harbor, Honolulu. Yeoman First Class Douglas uh, Ketchley reported that the move extremely fast for a short period seemed to slow down and disappeared high up into the air. Now, encounters continued after nightfall. About 10.20 in the evening, a Undetermined number of illuminated spears assembled over Muroc at 8,000 feet, but uh, vanished before interceptors could be scrambled. Similar formation was observed that same evening on the other side of the continent by Lieutenant Commander L.B. Patterson at the Naval Air Station, Norfolk, Virginia. A quartet of egg-shaped, phosphorus-colored uh, disc passed in formation over the 1380th Army Air Force Base at uh, Fort Pepperell, Newfoundland on the night of July 9th, about 11.30. Followed uh, 10 minutes later by a single similar object. Newfoundland was again visited the next day by a silver disc about 100 feet uh, in diameter at uh, 5.50 p.m. as it passed over the 1388th Army Air Force Base at uh, Harmon Field. During the previous 72 hours, military eyewitnesses had made eight UFO sightings. There was no question they were out there, and they were not weather balloons. Clear skies over California were quiet again until 3.50 p.m. on July 29th when Lieutenant Ward Stewart was alerted by Captain William Ryard uh, to a shiny white disc about 25 feet across, keeping pace with a Lockheed P-80 shooting star directly above the jet fighter's approach to Hamilton Field. Second identical, though uh, smaller, object was seen flying a Right to left, uh, protective maneuver over the first craft at about 6,000 feet. As both made a beeline for Oakland, proceeding out over the Pacific Ocean where they were lost to view. B-29 veteran pilot and experienced aviator, Lieutenant Stewart, told intelligence officers the objects he and Captain Ryard saw were unlike any conventional type of aircraft he'd ever seen. Roswell crash had ignited a spate of UFO sightings and encounters seldom matched before or since, making 1947 what you might call a banner year of its kind. No earthling had been hurt in the extraterrestrial uh, counterattack for which the Air Armed Forces commanders had braced themselves really didn't occur. Instead, the off-world intruders can find a reaction, if that's what it was, to the Roswell incident by flying reconnaissance of military's restricted airspaces but their apparently peaceful posture would change radically shortly after the new year. You know, it's interesting to note that a lot of the death we incurred wouldn't have happened had our troops been made aware of what it was we were dealing with. But instead, everything was secret or top secret or cosmic secret. You know, and there were other potential uh, problems. Robert Oppenheimer and uh, Albert Einstein wrote a memo in June of 47. Sent it to the president. Said, uh, one must consider the fact that misidentification of these spacecraft for an intercontinental missile and a reentry phase of flight could lead to an accidental nuclear war with horrible consequences. You know, the aliens could have gotten us removed as a threat by instigating of uh, World War III. And everybody was ready to go at a moment's notice. About 1.45 p.m., January 7th, 1948, Sergeant uh, Quentin Blackwell, the tower operator at Godman Army Airfield near Louisville, Kentucky, got a phone call from security police alerting him to an unidentified aircraft hovering directly overhead. After notifying Tower Commander Colonel Guy Hicks, Blackwell uh, rushed outside with Captain Gary Carter, who spotted the high-altitude object using a pair of 6x50 field glasses. It appeared to be a white spear. 
and it would join other officers and men who likened it to a parachute with bright sun shining on top of the silk. Private First Class Stanley Oliver said it resembled an ice cream cone topped with red. Now, these sightings were identically confirmed by Colonel Hicks, who uh, dispatched a radio message to an incoming flight of warplanes on a return ferry mission from Dobbins Air Force Base in Marietta, Georgia, ordered them to close with and identify this stationary object. One of the flight fighters was low on fuel, so it dropped out, but uh, remaining, uh, the remaining three followed Kentucky Air National Guard pilot Captain Thomas Mantell toward the target. They were flying shiny specimens in a new F-51 stallion. It was 1947, souped-up version of the better-known Mustang. Captain Mantell's F-51 could climb to just under 42,000 feet, but it did not have any oxygen tanks limiting its service uh, ceiling to about 15,000 feet. Above that altitude, human consciousness is progressively uh, compromised until you black out. Well, at 10,000 feet, Mantel radioed the assigned target was in sight above and ahead of me, and it appears to be moving at about half my speed, or about 180 miles an hour. Still below the 15,000-foot uh, barrier, he got a better visual of the craft. He said it appears to be a metallic object, or possibly a reflection of sun from a metallic object, and it's of tremendous size. As he got close to 20,000 feet, he told his wingman, Look, there it is out there at 12 o'clock. But both of the wingmen, unused to the increasingly thin oxygen, fell behind or urged him to break off the, the chase. Well, both, as I said, both of Mantell's wingmen urged him to break off the chase, but he said he'd go up another 2,500 feet uh, and abandon further pursuit if he couldn't get a, an improved sighting after 10 minutes. At 3.15, he informed uh, Godman Tower, I'm still climbing at about 3,200 feet a minute. Object is above and ahead of me, moving at about my speed, which at this point in time was about 385 miles an hour. Uh, but it appears to be a metallic object, tremendous in size, directly ahead and slightly above, and I'm trying to get close for a better look. Three minutes later, his plane spun out of the sky to crash on a Kentucky farm outside of Franklin. Near 750 feet from the the uh, farmer's uh, home. Nobody on the ground was injured, but of course Mantell's body was partially decapitated, but still inside the aircraft, according to uh, Michael David Hall. It wasn't burned, radioactive, nor riddled with bullets, but uh, as later sensationalized accounts uh, claimed. The belief is he just literally passed out from lack of oxygen. Official Air Force comments simply stated the pilot had mistaken the planet Venus for an unidentified flying object and climbed too high in pursuit of this uh, heavenly illusion, run out of oxygen, fainted, and crashed. Military spokes continue to uphold their celestial explanation even after their own chief UFO debunking astronomer, J. Allen Hynek, pointed out that Venus had been invisible during the Saturday afternoon in question. Military assumes that we are all dumb as bricks, and in many cases that's correct. But there are those of us who can read and, and um, have enough uh, background to understand when we're being lied to. Captain Edward Rupert, assigned by the Air Force to study flying saucers, believed Mantell had been deceived by Skyhook, a U.S. Navy research balloon released that morning from Clinton Air Force Base in Ohio. Stiff wind currents at the time blowing from the north may have pushed Skyhook over Louisville, but in fact this balloon was sighted by two men separated by hundreds of miles, one in Kentucky and the other in Tennessee. They clearly and correctly identified the same object of their telescopes as a large balloon. And if it traveled in a straight line between the two observers, Skyhook's flight path would have taken it nowhere near Louisville on January 7th. Additionally, no balloon could stop in midair and hold its position directly over Godman Field for more than two hours, especially given the strong winds blowing uh, at that point in time. To be sure, officers and men on the ground saw something entirely different through their powerful field binoculars. They were moreover uh, intimately familiar with weather and research balloons and quite capable of readily distinguishing them from everything else in the sky. 
Captain Mantell's in-flight description bore no resemblance to that of, of a balloon. He said, for example, that the object he followed was of tremendous size. Skyhook was more than 40 feet shorter than the wingspan of a B-29 Superfortress heavy bomber with which he had been acquainted for four years. Mantell also said the contact appeared to be a metallic object or possibly a reflection of sun from a metallic object. Skyhook balloons were translucently white and unable to accelerate from a stationary position to speeds between 180 and 385 miles per hour within a few minutes, as Mantell reported, even in the grip of the most powerful jet stream. What is not without cause, the Air Force officials never used a misidentified uh, research balloons as an excuse for Captain Mantell's crash. World War II ver uh, veteran of the Normandy invasion, he was known as a very cautious pilot. He had 2,867 hours of flight time. 67 of those hours in the P-51. Excuse me, the F-51. This careful, experienced airman was said to have hallucinated and passed out for lack of oxygen when he foolishly exceeded the 15,000-foot altitude upper limits for, for human consciousness. As long before World War I, aviators routinely climbed 5,000 feet higher for short duration periods with little or no side effects. Typically, a skilled flyer can function reasonably well at that altitude for up to 10 minutes. British ace James McCudden awarded the Victoria Cross for his 57 aerial victories in World War I, often flew solo missions above 15,000 feet and sometimes up to 20,000 feet in his Royal Aircraft Factory uh, SE-5 pursuit plane with no oxygen. He once recalled that after two hours patrol at 18 to 20,000 feet, his only complaint was a 24-hour headache. Imperial Germany's Rumpler CVI Rubeld was a photo reconnaissance um, biplane with an oxygen supply so unreliable that uh, its two-man crew was only able to suck sips of it at a time. Yet they flew the, the Rubeld to just below 24,000 feet on a regular basis throughout 1918. So the very idea that um, Mantell went too high and passed out is not supported by the evidence. Mantell's radio promise limiting his stay at 25,000 feet to 10 minutes was within the operational purview of a pilot more experienced than his two wingmen who increasingly oxygen-deprived lag far behind. One of them, First Lieutenant Albert Clements, was at least able to discern a bright-appearing object slightly lower until the left of the sun before peeling away and returning to Godman Field. So why did Captain Mantell lose control of his aircraft? His last transmission was recorded at 3.15. Recovered from the wreckage is perfectly preserved wrist watch I can't talk. It unaccountably stopped just three minutes later, at least five minutes before the F-51 struck the ground. So what happened at 3.18? If the captain had blacked out, he only nodded off for a second or two because crash investigators determined Mantell had tried to regain control of his airplane by uh, throttling back the engine, adjusting the fuel mixture, and altering propeller pitch. The time he took to follow these standard emergency procedures suggests he was not unconscious but fully conscious for all or virtually all of his descent. In fact, instead of passing out, evidence says his aircraft had been disabled by UFO's electromagnetic surge, as others had been uh, from uh, since World War II. Rupert stated that the Many at uh, technolo the Technological Intelligence Division of the Air Force had adopted the interplanetary option by the end of the investigation in the Mantell's crash because all others were exhausted. Indeed, an extraterrestrial cause was the most logical explanation. Uh, Scott Ramsey told how an anonymous physicist, almost certainly John Torrance Tate, drew a conclusion concerning the form of weaponry operated by these vehicles on the basis of at least four alien wrecks recovered by the U.S. Navy and Army from 1941 to 1948. Kraft had a way of demagnetizing any object that came in contact with it, hostile or otherwise. He speculated that demagnetizing or degaussing would destroy or disintegrate any object in the path of the craft. 
The supposition was borne out by numerous Second World War reports of sudden power outages and electrical failures and avionic anomalies and operable instruments, whirling compasses, radio communication breakdown, and a variety of dangerous electromagnetic disturbances experienced by air crews of uh, every combatant nation whenever their warplanes were approached by the Foo Fighters. And something of the kind happened to Mantell's F-51, as can be determined by the fact his wristwatch stopped. Because Air Force investigators never able to find anything um, among the fighters' remains that they could identify as having caused the crash. It was as though the aircraft had just inexplicably ceased to function in midair, and nothing uh, Mantell could do could save it from breaking up between 20,000 and 10,000 feet while disintegrating in, in its uh, helpless plunge. The alien intruder Mantell had been ordered to intercept stood fixed in the sky over Godman Airfield for another 30 minutes after his death before it was lost to view at about 3.50. And it wasn't the only such craft seen in the sky. Observation that understood... Uh, the extraterrestrial character of the captain's lethal encounter. Full 90 minutes prior to Mantell's visual contact with the object, half an hour before it was even first spotted by Sergeant uh, Quentin Blackwell, Kentucky State Police received multiple reports of a large unidentified uh, vehicle flying over Maysville, 80 miles east of Louisville. It was uh, sighted again 20 minutes later at 1.35, this time west of Louisville and Godman Tower. Civilian eyewitnesses described a silver disc without any insignia, 250 to 350 feet in diameter, moving silently and slowly at no more than 1,000 feet above the towns of uh, Owensboro and Irvington. Their sighting uh, complimented Captain Mantell's radio uh, comment. The object he saw was of tremendous size. Four hours after Mantell crashed, officers at Ohio's Clinton County Air Force Base outside Washington, uh, Wilmington reported seeing a bright light in the night sky dancing up and down while changing color from red to green before it shot off to the southwest at uh, beyond supersonic speed, trailing exhaust. In addition, a red light on the object, the hovering high over Louisville, had been noted by some of the Godman Field observers the uh, previous afternoon. Shortly following the Clinton County sighting, about 7.35, uh, Lockbourne Air Force Base in Columbus, Ohio, was uh, being speedily circled by a luminous spear that fell from the heavens, trailing an exhaust, an amber-colored exhaust, I might add. Having uh, completed three circuits of the entire base at about 1,000 feet, the object streaked straight up at terrific velocity, coming to a dead stop just below the cloud cover. Hung motionless there for about a minute and plummeted back to earth, poised a uh, few yards above the ground. After another ten seconds, the spear rose swiftly, returning momentarily to its previous position below the overcast sky from, uh, from which it vanished in the blink of an eye toward the northwest. Now these remarkable daylight and after-dark sightings made by his fellow Air Force officers have bracketed Captain Mantell's crash. In doing so, they indicated that it had been brought about by close proximity to an off-world craft. And whether the craft had deliberately downed his airplane or he'd inadvertently strayed within the alien vessel's overpowering electromagnetic field, his death was avenged 11 weeks later when the secondary forestals weaponized radar claimed another extraterrestrial kill. This one was 375 miles northwest of the earlier intercept at Roswell. See, the concept seems to be that radar used properly can be directed as a weapon and literally turn these UFOs into microwave ovens. Before day dawned on March 25th, the Mexico police officer, uh, Manuel Sandoval, looked up into the dark sky to see a large circular or overall object moving slowly and silently about 100 feet above the ground toward the Four Corners area. That's where the states of Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah meet. This large vehicle seemed to be in trouble, almost out of control, wobbling as it flew, according to uh, another eyewitness, uh, Telesforo Archuleta, who saw sparks jump from the vehicle's rim as it scraped the side of a mesa. The object coasted to a stop on the 
summit of another flat plateau above Heart uh, Canyon Road, not far from the small town of Aztec, New Mexico. A few ranchers and men from the El Paso Oil Company had observed something gradually coming down in the remote tableland and told their friends who converged on the mesa shortly before sunrise. The inert wreck they beheld was a metallic, lens-shaped, 100-foot-wide disk with no noticeable seams, rivets, bolts, or wheel marks, according to Doug Nolan, one of the oil field workers. In fact, it looked like it was molded. It comprised a very thin cross-section, only about 18 to 20 feet high, and very thin at the outer edges, including gold-colored rings that ran around the entire outer edge of the disk. He said he couldn't see any damage to the craft. It was lying at an angle as though it was lying on the ground with no support, but it had a bubble or reverse dome on the bottom that was giving it support. Another witness, Ken Farley, said it sort of reminded me of two pie pans with a bubble on the top and the bottom. top bubble was longer than the bottom. The craft was lying at an angle, maybe 12 degrees or so. You know, as part of doing our first season of Beyond Roswell, we went to Aztec and we investigated the, the area. Nolan and his companion not only touched the object but climbed on it. He said the craft was brushed aluminum, looked to be very smooth, but not highly polished aluminum like you see on an airplane. The windows of portholes looked like mirrors until you got closer and then you could see through them. He and the others peered inside to see two small bodies slumped over what appeared to be a control panel of sorts. Fourteen more little corpses were found at another level deeper inside the vessel. Each of them was identical, about four feet tall, with spindly arms and legs extending from an unathletic torso topped with a bulbous head featuring impenetrably dark, oversized eyes. Moments after a sighting, Archuleta notified Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, about 180 miles to the southeast of the incident by telephone. So the eventual appearance of military personnel at the Hart Canyon site was no surprise, at least to him. Flying in on Sikorsky L-5 and Bell H-13 Sioux helicopters, they commanded the spectators to leave at once after harshly ordering them never to discuss the crash with anybody. As far as everybody was supposed to be concerned, it never happened. No one remember we were threatened with our lives we ever spoke about this. And that tracks with... Um, What a friend of my wife's, uh, a relative of a friend of my wife, who had been uh, a companion of uh, Mac Brazil, who found the Roswell crash. He was threatened so badly. He went back to Mexico and refused to come back across the border. Authorities did more than terrorize a few local residents into submission. They engaged in a disinformation campaign commensurate with the magnitude of discovery aspect. Never before since had such a detailed, up-close, first-hand description of an off-world vehicle come down. And never before or since have so many physical remains of its alien occupants been retrieved from a single location. Accordingly, such evidence is so thoroughly misrepresented to the general public at large that most ufologists, professional and amateur alike, dismissed the Heart Canyon controversy as a hoax until it was virtually forgotten. It wasn't until 68 years after the event uh, that the results were underwent the most exhaustive investigation published by Scott Ramsey, a specialist in magnetic fields and electrical wire, together with his wife Suzanne, a radio show hostess, and Frank Thayer, a professor emeritus at New Mexico State University. And uh, according to what he wrote... Their uh, research was a compilation of work gathered for almost 29 years. In that time, they've traveled to more than 28 states, spent about a half a million dollars, and archived 55,000 documents from sources including the U.S. Army, U.S. Air Force, FBI, CIA, and directly from the desk of J. Edgar Hoover himself. The Aztec UFO incident not only confirmed beyond question that it actually took place, but explains what occurred. Um, according to the authors, we're certain from all reports that we've examined that both the Army and the Air Force were involved in the Aztec recovery. Separation between the two services was still very new, so a joint effort made perfect sense. 
They quote a physicist involved who spoke anonymously about the Kraus transference to Los Alamos, where his colleagues and aeronautical engineers found it had been originally constructed of segments fitted in grooves and pinned together around the base. As for the deceased little people on board, some of them had been dissected and studied by the medical division of the Air Force. The abundance of information presented by the authors indicates the cause of the heart uh, canyon crash. The object had been reported as flying over the top-secret Los Alamos National Laboratory northeast of Cuba, which is a small New Mexico town not far from Aztec, and around the Los Alamos radar facility near Alvado. Kraft was something the military as well as the Atomic Energy Commission would have to take very seriously and would have been seen as a threat, uh, as much a threat as a Soviet spy plane or bomber. But uh, Saucer's fantastic performance characteristics made it difficult to bring it down. That is, until Secretary Fallerstoff weaponized New Mexico radar arrays. Two telescopes caught this unidentified ship, according to this unnamed physicist, as it came into our atmosphere. They watched its position and estimated where it would land. Then when it uh, slowed within range of America's chief nuclear facility, the vessel was blasted with lethal beams of high-intensity microwave energy. Police officer Sandoval described the disc during its last moments of flight as wobbling and seeming to flutter like a leaf before it crashed on the Heart Canyon Mesa. His eyewitness support report suggests the piloting skills of its occupants dying of their Radioactive burns was rapidly deteriorating. Nolan later remarked on seeing their corpses that they charred dark brown. They didn't appear to have a dark skin, just seemed to have been exposed to heat, which is exactly what happened. Like being in a microwave was the explanation given by uh, Forest House people. Nolan also observed how the interior of the craft was not burned, comparing the conditions with the baking chamber of a microwave oven where cooks which cooks food placed in it without affecting its surfaces. They seemed to be charred a very dark chocolate color. Their bodies had been burned. There was no question about it, according to all the witnesses who would talk. simple fact was there that they were, they were dead from either burns or the bends. The area resident at the scene, the Baptist preacher, Solon Brown, recalled the little bodies had passed on as they seemed to have been burned badly. The Ramsey and Thayer wonder... Uh, if the disk outside Aztec crashed or was shot down, just as Roswell's two extraterrestrial spacecraft were possible sh- uh, possibly shot down. The condition of the alien bodies, which accorded uh, with radioactive poisoning uh, at both sites in proximity to Forrester's microwave artillery at uh, Alvado and associated radar stations, indicated a deliberate successful attack against otherworldly vehicles in the ongoing conflict between earthly armed forces and otherworldly intruders. We've all been accustomed to waging covert wars, and this one is no different, at least in terms of secrecy. Till now, our enemies had always been mortal men, and strategists could anticipate human nature. But how do you comp- uh, get ready to fight a non-human foe when you have no idea how they think? Well, on that note, we could end today's show. We'll be back tomorrow, and once again, if you listen to Ken Hudnall and the Ken Hudnall Show, until then, have a truly great evening.